0: Welcome to the Revenue Marketing Report powered by CaliberMind. Our goal on the RMR is to help marketers move from subject matter experts to strategic business partners. I'm your host, Kamala Thompson, and today I'm thrilled to introduce Marissa Schwartz. Please tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Thank you. So I'm Marissa. I own Dr. Rissy's Writing and Marketing. I'm Dr. Rissy. We focus on 360 marketing, that's SEO, PR, social media, and ads. I also own Gen Z Publishing, a book publishing company for indie authors. And I write for Entrepreneur and uh, Forbes uh, Forbes, as part of the Young Entrepreneurial Council.
0: And that's that's me. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and I think people are going to be even more impressed as we get into your background. Because like the first question I'm going to ask you is when and why did you start freelancing? Yeah, so
1: I started freelancing in high school. Well, actually, I should back up. I grew up in my parents' mom-and-pop carpet shop. So I grew up around entrepreneurs and that whole lifestyle. You know, they were always very involved in the community and helping other small businesses. And I love that. So then when I was in high school, I had an interesting experience in the fact that I didn't go to a traditional high school. I went to a biomedical science academy. So I would take high school courses by day and then college courses by night. And everything was science. Every single class was science. I think I had uh, an English courses, but every other course was science. But I would rush through my biomedical science work to work on my writing and, and freelance writing. And that was when I realized, you know what, I think I have more of a passion for writing than science. So um, my friends started getting jobs, you know, uh, either interning at doctor's offices, some of them got jobs at the mall, and they weren't happy with them. And I didn't want to do something that I was going to be unhappy with. So my mother suggested freelancing. I didn't even know that was a thing at that point. But I signed up for my first freelance site, edited a children's horror book loved it she, she recommended horror
0: me. book i'm sorry that just seems like an oxymoron but i'm okay. yeah, i, I like would arl have loved stein. that as a little kid
1: i know yeah like arl stein kind of thing with a monster under a bed i loved it she recommended me to some others, so I uh, copy wrote and edited for them, and I just you know then I had clients saying, hey, I like your writing, can you write social media posts too? And at that point, I didn't know how, so I went to school for that and learned how to do that and SEO and all that fun stuff. So my freelancing just kept growing, basically because of uh, realizing how much I prefer writing over science and that I wanted to do something that I enjoyed rather than forcing myself to get a job that I wasn't going to enjoy,
0: which is the perfect transition into exactly why I was so excited to have you on this podcast. So it's called the big quit or the great resignation. Right now, a lot of people are reevaluating their career and kind of relooking at what they want to do with their lives. And I'm guessing a few listeners might be open to the prospect of freelancing, but overwhelmed by all the things you have to do to bring it together. So I kind of wanted to talk through some of those aspects and encourage people who are kind of on the fence, like tell them a little bit about why freelancing is so great. So let's go back to way back when you first started your business. What were some of the things that intimidated you or some major hurdles that you kind of learned to navigate as you went?
1: I learned the hard way so many different things. I was a belief and still am that people are inherently good. But because I had that belief, I'm very, very trusting. And that is dangerous because I was scammed a good dozen times my first couple mm-hmm. of years in freelancing. And it still happens sometimes where um, I had an employer ask me for my driver's license and personal information. I was 19. I was naive. I thought, oh, this is normal. I gave it. Turned out they were a scammer. Yeah. I had... Clients say, oh, I will pay you after the work is done just to disappear once I deliver the work. Never paid. That happened so many times. That happened at least once a month my first few years. Just a lot of things like that where I had to learn the hard way. Okay, we need contracts in place. We need systems. We need to set boundaries. And I think, you know, I was young and naive. I think if listeners are a little bit older and more mature, like if I got into this now, I probably wouldn't have fallen for 90% of those things. But because I was a teenager, I literally had no idea. I thought, oh, this is how the world works. And I don't say that to scare anybody away, but to say, yeah, there are some uh, scammers out there. But yeah, those, those are the things I definitely would look out for at the beginning. But there are a lot of so many positives to it as well.
0: And there are some things that are just kind of scary, like most employers, they do require a W-9, so they can either file a, well, file an I-9 on on your behalf, It's or W-2. Uh, so many numbers and letters all combined, but there is paperwork. You often end up giving over your social security number or your business number. And I think that's one of the benefits of forming an LLC is that you can get an E-I-N, which is a different, I'm sure a lot of people are listening to this and thinking, what kind of language are we speaking? Mm -hmm. But it's basically a different tax identification number that kind of insulates you from having to give your own personal information out there. And there are some great contracts online, but yeah, always have a contract in place. Always, if you can consult with a lawyer ahead of time, that's great to figure out what kind of business you should get, whether it's like LLC, like we mentioned, or some kind of like personal corporation, not corporation, personal business. There's just, there's a lot of options, but we should also mention like, you don't, I think a lot of business owners or who are on the verge of starting a business kind of stall out because they get intimidated by all the things they think they're supposed to know. Nobody knows these things when they start and it's okay not to know the things and outsource them. So let's talk through some of the first things you decided to outsource as your business started growing.
1: Yeah. And that was a very scary part because I had my own way of doing things. And um, my, you know, my own, I also fear of, oh my gosh, if I pay people to do this, I'm not making as much. You know, that was my, again, naive, like, oh my gosh, it work. Only I realized actually by outsourcing, you can make more because now you have time to devote some things that you enjoy and are better at. But I think the first things they outsourced were graphics. So writing is my thing. I don't have degrees in graphics or anything. Um, But I, you know, had people asking for graphics to accompany my social media posts. I also worked on books. So I would have people say, Oh, can you help me with my book covers? And I would try the best I could, but it just, that wasn't my strength. So I met somebody named Maria. She's still with me. We're going six years strong. And I, I hired, yeah, I hired her to do my graphics. So now when we do social media posts, Maria makes the graphics. If you go on to Dr. Rissy's social or anything, she's the person who makes them for us. She makes them for our clients. me made a bunch of book covers for us. Uh, so that was my first outsource. And I really locked out because I've, since hiring Maria, have hired about 100 more people. And a lot of them will, will come and they'll go because freelance, it's just, just the world that it is. But uh, yeah. folks like Maria, I think I have about a dozen people like Maria that have stuck it out for years with
0: me. So other things that are pretty easy to outsource include accounting, not my personal strong suit. So that's kind of one of the first areas I started looking into. And then I think marketing operations people, if they're going to be consulting and, and putting themselves out there, you do have to put yourself out there, which means you have to figure out a social media strategy and all that good stuff. So finding somebody to partner with there is really important because that's one of the first things that you can offload and not think about so much. It's, it's hard to market and run a business at the same time, but it's, it's necessary. How did you go about marketing and and starting out? Like, how did you first find those clients?
1: Yeah. So it was a lot of instinct. I published my first book when I was 16. I was self-published and I didn't know the first thing about marketing. I don't even think I knew what the word marketing meant. Uh, But I knew I had to do something to grab people's attention. So uh, my book was about contests. And I thought, what's the ultimate contest? World records. So I looked for a world record that I could break and found one for the world's longest chain of bracelets. I love jewelry making. I had made about a thousand bracelets at that point as part of physical therapy because I was uh, recovering from Lyme disease. So I made just the world's longest chain of bracelets and used that to promote my book. However, I didn't have a social media presence. I was 16. The book didn't do as well as it could have because I just did that one thing. And that was how I learned when you do marketing, you need to have multiple areas. And that's why my company focuses on 360 because if I would have done that, which was great for PR and I would have had a great social media strategy, I would have had a website with SEO and I would have brought ads. That would have been a great campaign. But since I was only focusing on the one thing, it didn't do as well. So that was my first lesson. And then uh, I got my master's in corporate and public communications, where we learned, you know, how to put all the pieces together, how to, you know, w- have your PR work with your uh, email campaigns and, and your social media and, and all of that. So, yeah, it's it's uh, definitely strategy uh, among all the different aspects.
0: Have you been burned by attribution? Are you tired of fighting with salespeople over target accounts and lead scores? We've all been there, and that's because traditional marketing analytics tools bolt onto your CRM and calculate attribution and engagement scores on the data as it is. And let's face it, most of the time, your CRM data is far from perfect. Calibre Mind is unique because it pulls data from all your sources, not just your CRM, into a data platform. CaliberMind unifies your information, which means you can attribute dollars to website activity, standard Salesforce campaign activity, and more without wasting time in spreadsheets. Ditch the spreadsheets and check out a new way to analyze revenue data with CaliberMind at CaliberMind.com. So for people listening and getting stressed out, you don't need to do it all the first day. Take little chunks off, do what you can. If you can get started with clients in your own network, great. But you do wanna be thinking about building out a website if to only say, you know, what's expected on a first call. What are the kind of packages I offer? What are the different things that I should put out there so people know that will be a good match? Make sure you have some place for people to go and put on your business card and refer people to so they can get a little information before that first call, at least. And then if you can build a network on LinkedIn, that's that's really good too. So I thought it was really interesting when we were talking, when or how did you decide to move from solopreneur to entrepreneur?
1: Well, I had a lot of clients who were requesting different services. So at first, you know, I'm like, okay, SEO, yeah, I'll take some courses on it. I'm already a right. master's student. And I'll, I'll take I'll take a few courses on social media while I'm at it. But then they started asking for ads and just different things that, you know, I'm like, you know, I can only wear so many hats. I'm going to start dropping goals because you can't do so many things. So that was when I decided, let me get some experts in and let me have them do things that they're good at, that they enjoy. I'll do things I'm good at that I enjoy. So I think that was my first foray into it when, you know, I just had more clients than I could serve myself asking for things that kind of went hand in hand with what I was doing, but weren't exactly what I was doing.
0: And I was amazed at when you made the sleep, because weren't you also balancing grad school? I was. Yeah. So I hired
1: my first uh, team member when I was getting my master's and then I started like really growing the team so I only had a few people at the beginning of grad school but then by the time I got my doctorate I had I think 25 people on my team so it really it so that was a span of five or six years it really did make a difference once I hired my first person I saw how great it went I just kept hiring and hiring because like wow this really works.
0: Yeah, and it's great that you looked out at, at first. It can be high, hard to hire the right person. Like if you, they need to be able to respect you as a boss. They need to be able to represent the same level of work that you you were representing because it's your reputation on the line. There's a lot of risk, but I think there's a lot of reward because you have more Camaraderie when there's more than one person.
1: Yeah, I think my first people also, you know, so many of them are still with me, even more so than some of the later people, because it was where they were right on the, at the starting line. So they really feel like and they did, they helped build the company. So I think that there is that where it's their baby, as much as it's my baby, whereas somebody knew the company, they, you know, they're, they feel it. They're like, this is great, but they're, they didn't know it from the beginning. So I think there's something really special about your first few hires.
0: As an entrepreneur or solopreneur, how did you get your work at first? Was it mostly referral or advertising? How did you get your start?
1: Well, it's kind of the way that I said with the ground floor of people working with me. I was on the ground floor of some freelance website. So there was one. I joined it. I think the year after it was started. So for the first couple of years, I was a college student working there. They put me in their ads and just really promoted me like, Hey, look at it. It was Fiverr. Hey, look at this gotcha. you know, student making money on Fiverr. Uh, I don't really endorse Fiverr now just because of some of their, but yes, back then it was awesome. So being at the ground floor of something that became so big where they clients would just kind of find you because you're on the homepage and they would feature you. Uh, it was it was a really cool thing. I think nowadays, though, if I was to start again, because there aren't as many like starting budding, you know, freelance websites like that, I still utilize like Upwork. I think Upwork is a great place to connect. But if I were starting out today, what I would do is build up my social media. This is how I get my clients now, rather than through like a Fiverr through social media. So um, I create videos every day on TikTok, and then I post them to YouTube Shorts, Instagram Reels, talking about marketing and writing and all these things. And and doing that shows me as an authority. And the beautiful thing is with those three platforms, you have amazing organic reach. I get a few million people every month who sees those videos just because you use the right hashtag. You get the right amount of organic reach. I optimize my own websites. I really, I do all the same stuff for myself that I do for my clients. So when you search writing and marketing in New Jersey, we're the first company that comes up. That really helps. I do a mm-hmm. lot of social media marketing, posting on LinkedIn, all all the platforms like LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest. We're on there every day, my team and I, and uh, also PR. So um, you know, podcasts like this. Or writing for a Forbes entrepreneur, doing guest articles, things like that. That's what helps. So it's 360. That's what I do for myself. That's how I get out there.
0: So, for those of you in the marketing ops arena, I would totally recommend joining like marketing ops communities, uh, any kind of marketing communities where people often post jobs where they need help for stuff, either on a contract or full-time basis. And sometimes when people are hiring full-time, it's okay to reach out to them and say, Hey, I'm a contractor. Do you need somebody to fill in in the short term while you're looking for somebody, or would you be open to contracting? And also be mindful of where your audience is. So I know you're in marketing ops, but you're still in marketing. So as you know, most of the people that we'll be advertising to as marketing ops consultants are on LinkedIn. So spend a lot of time there, build your credibility as an expert, maybe look at writing for some of the marketing automation platforms or reaching out through your network to see if they've heard of anybody who needs work. But as a freelancer in a more technical area, I would say almost a hundred percent of my business was through referral. Would you say that your a good chunk of yours is
1: also through referral? Yeah, it is referral, but also when people see your reviews. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we make sure that on Google, when you Google us, we have reviews, Facebook web reviews, and we do that just by saying to clients, if they say something like, oh, man, I really love your services, we say, oh, thank you so much. If you want to leave a review, feel free, like that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, Um, no one should be shy about doing that. If somebody expressed that they're pleased, say, hey, here's a link to my LinkedIn profile or I'd love to put this on your my website and then make it easier for them by writing the quote for them and having approve it or having them change it slightly. Have you noticed that you get a little bit faster traction when you do that?
1: Yes, I have. It, that works great. That does. My, my funniest story, though, was I have an 87-year-old client he does not use the internet, but he was like, I really want to post a review for you. Can you post it for me? So now <laughs> you Google my company, it shows my name, but then I put it under there on behalf of Dr. Blau. And when yeah. I asked, like he was 87, he hasn't used, you know, the internet.
0: Oh yeah. My grandmother's terrified. She's going to blow something up. And I'm like, you'll be okay. It's like <laughs> <laughs> It's really hard to do that. That's awesome. So, building a network, and how do you like nurture the people who have already worked with you? Uh, I I know you mentioned asking for referrals, but do you do any like follow up emails down the road or anything along those lines? Yeah,
1: we have email newsletters. Some people believe email is dead, but it's not. It's actually great because, yeah, with social media, Organic reach can be difficult, especially with something like Facebook. They're only showing your posts to a small percentage. Uh, with emails, yes, you risk going to spam, but you get a decent open rate, you know? Um, so we do our newsletters. I also connect with a lot of our clients on social. Uh, so, you know, LinkedIn, some on Facebook, but mostly LinkedIn. Some we follow each other on Twitter or Instagram. So that's helpful. Um, and in that way, it's kind of like the way that I grew up with my parents at the mom pop carpet shop, where a lot of their customers would become like, friends or close acquaintances. It's a similar kind of thing with social media where, okay, now I see and they see, oh, we're real people. Yes, we post about work, but oh wow, she also, you know, look at her dogs or oh look at their, you know, children. It's it's a nice thing seeing all those aspects and that helps to improve our our working relationships as well.
0: Yeah. and I mean, if you're working on a per project basis or something like that, there's nothing wrong with writing in three, six months later and saying, Hey, how have things been going? Do you need to fine tune anything or it's an opportunity? Absolutely. (laughs) Marissa, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Where can people find you online? It sounds like maybe everywhere.
1: Yeah, my name is Marissa Schwartz. That's Marissa with an O everywhere Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, TikTok, or Dr. Rissy. I go by both. If you type either of them, you'll find me. And then my website is drrissy.com,
0: and that's free timing. Great. And for those of you looking for more content like this, check out calibermind.com.